Welcome to the teaching podcast for Eubank Baptist Church. We are all about knowing more about Jesus and inviting others to do the same. We would love for you to join us on our campus on Sunday mornings at 8.30 or 10.45 and Wednesday nights at 6 p.m. This podcast is a place that you can listen to any teachings that you might have missed from our Sunday morning worship experiences. To stay connected, you can check out our website at www.eubankbaptist.com. You can also follow us on Facebook at Eubank Baptist Church and Instagram at Eubank underscore BC. Thank you for being a part of the conversation and let's keep pursuing Jesus together. As they're making their way there, um, on behalf of the leadership and the staff here um, at Eubank Baptist Church, I just want to say again, Happy Easter. We are so uh, honored that you are choosing to uh, spend your morning here with us. You know, maybe uh, someone invited you, this is your first time uh, here or maybe in church at all, and uh, maybe you feel uh, a little weird for not knowing the songs, not knowing what's going on. But can I tell you this, uh, that this morning on Easter, you are in the exact place that you need to be. Uh, We believe here um, at Eubank that Every person, um, yourself included, the person to your right, the person to your left, that they, that you and they have been guided here for a reason. Uh, We believe that we serve a God uh, who is in control of everything. In fact, it says that he ordained our days before they were even had the first one taken place. What that tells me is that there is no such thing as coincidences, right? There is no such things as mishaps. No, what we know is that God ordains things to happen for a reason. So we believe that you have been invited here, uh, you've been a part of here, or whatever your story may be, that you are here for a reason. So again, uh, we just want to thank you for for being here. We know that Easter is often full of busyness, right? You have lunches and dinners and pictures and everything else going on. So you could have easily said, you know what, we're too busy for church this morning. Too much going on, too much to cook. Right, too much to, to clean in the house before everybody gets over there, right? Because they will not see your house like this, right? <laughs> is that just me? Or is that just me? Okay. Um, <clears throat> but you chose to be here, so we are grateful and we believe that that is for a reason. Um, so let me, let me just give you a part of our prayer this morning, just so we're all on the same page. We're all uh, coming at this from the same place. A part of our prayer today is that every person joining us in person or online would encounter Jesus in a fresh and new way this Easter. Okay? Because here's, here's what you should know. Jesus never changes. Jesus never goes out of style. Jesus never uh, loses his power or his significance. Uh, So we believe that every single day that you wake up, every single moment that you are given, you have the chance to encounter Jesus in a whole new way. So our prayer is that you would do that today. That as we go through our content, as we go through this conversation, we're going to talk about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Now, I don't want you to think, well, I'm already that. I made the commitment, so this is not for me. Listen, do not think that, okay? Do not think that. Because if you were here with us last week, you know that we started, um, we began a journey to the cross. Last Sunday was Palm Sunday. And that, is, that has come to be recognized as the final time that Jesus actually entered into Jerusalem before the events of his crucifixion. And so just as Jesus began his journey to the cross on Palm Sunday, we began our own journey to the cross last week. Last week we saw that that what Jesus can do, he literally changes everyone and everything every single time. Last week we saw that what the cross stood for before Jesus changed after Jesus. You see, the cross before Jesus stood for punishment, stood for death, stood for the end. But now, because of Jesus, the cross stands for life, the cross stands for a new beginning, and the cross stands for hope and nothing else. Okay? Whoo, I'm getting excited already. This might come off, I don't know. But we said that, that everything that encounters Jesus radically changes. And it's not just people that change. It's places, it's things that changes. 
And during our conversation this morning, we need to understand something. As, as, as far as for us here at Eubank Baptist Church, okay, we believe that every word written in the Bible is true. Amen. We believe everything that, that, we read, that, that we read about, that it happened. So we believe that Jesus experienced a human death on a cross, laid in a tomb for three days, but then rose and walked out of that tomb. We believe that right now Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God while also attempting to involve himself in every single part of your life. He's not a God that, that is distant. He's not a God that doesn't care about you. No, he's a God that cares about you so much that even as he's sitting next to his heavenly father, he is worried about you. He is concerned about you. So that's why I say if you've never been to church or you haven't been in a long time, you are here at the right time. We believe that the real significance of Easter does not come from bunnies, hiding eggs, cute outfits, family lunches or dinners, or even the Easter-inspired candy that we spend way too much money on. Right? Like, Emberlyn has had two or three egg hunts already. She's not even two years old. And let me tell you, puffs, they're expensive. Okay? They are expensive. But despite all that, that is not where the significance of Easter comes from. We believe that the real significance of Easter comes from the death and resurrection of Jesus in the empty tomb that he left behind. That's what we just sang about. We're not singing about Easter bunnies or Easter egg hunts. We're singing about Jesus who literally did the impossible. Okay? Because what I know about you, you know, maybe I never met you before, but what I know about you is that you can't beat death. You can try to prolong it or extend life or avoid it, but you can't avoid death ultimately. So Jesus did the impossible. He saved us when we couldn't. So now that I have established what we uh, as the leadership believe here at EBC, let me just share with you another part of our prayer. Our, our, our prayer today is twofold. The second part is this, is that, another, is that today that every person joining us in person or online would respond to the cross and empty tomb the way they need to. Regardless of how much culture tries to, push, to, tries to pull us away from the significance of the cross and empty tomb on Easter, towards bunnies, eggs, and all those things, the cross and the empty tomb is and should be the focus of Easter. And depending on where you are in life, your response to the cross is going to look different than the person next to you. Remember how I said that if you made a commitment, don't tune me out? Here's why I said that. Because depending on where you are in life, your response will look a certain way. Depending on where you are, if, if you're joining us today and you have never, private, you have never privately or publicly surrender to Jesus and call him your savior and Lord can I tell you that is the first place the only place for you to worry about this morning don't worry about anything else if you've never made a commitment to Jesus that's where you got to start and here's the thing about that commitment you make it knowing that no matter what life looks like you're going to follow through on that commitment if you're joining us today and you've made that commitment to follow Jesus no matter what, but you have been distracted or your focus has been off for whatever reason, then your response looks like coming back to the cross. Because like I said before, just because you are a church member or you've been in church your entire life does not mean you don't get it wrong sometimes. In fact, think of even the best church person you know, and I promise you they have days that they get it wrong. You have days that you get it wrong, right? And what we know is, 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 is when it comes to following Jesus is that being a follower of Jesus is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You see, you're never going to get to the place of being completely done or completely worked through until you're standing in front of God. 
So every time that you're here on this planet, every day that you are given, you have something to work on. So despite what some people may try to convey, there is no such thing as a perfect Christian. In fact, there was one perfect Christian, and that was Jesus. And for the rest of us, the best we can do is try to follow him. And sometimes we're not even good at that, if we're being honest. So this morning in our time together, I want to be upfront and honest and clear about what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus. You know, when I was preparing for this and just working through what direction to go, because we know that Easter often brings out the strangers, right? Because Easter we feel that even the nation knows it's Easter, right? So even the nation feels and says, hey, you should probably be in church somewhere, right? So we know that Easter brings out uh, the strangers and, and the people who haven't been here for a while. So as I was thinking through, you know, what to talk about, what should I share? I found myself being led to this place of being unapologetically honest with you this morning. I felt led to a place to be to speak everything in, in as much truth and reality based on God's word as I possibly can. So whether your response needs to be running to the cross and into tune for the first time, or it's time for you to run back to the cross, I believe that God wants to speak to you. I believe that's why you are here this morning. That's why I believe you chose, you made a decision to be here today. So to open up our time of directly interacting with God's word, I want to take a moment and read through that first discovery of the empty tomb. Now you can look through this moment in in any of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, but I want to focus and use Luke 24. So if you're able to this morning, I want to invite you to stand with me as we read through this moment where for the first time the empty tomb was discovered. But in Luke 24, we're going to read through verses 1 through 12 together this morning. Luke 24, verse 1 says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the, took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, don't miss this, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words, verse 9. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. We pray for this morning. Father, we are so grateful. And the word grateful doesn't seem enough for what you do for us. Despite how many times we choose not to be involved with you, you are always involved with us. You are always trying to talk to us, speak to us, God. And we are thankful for that, God. We are thankful for the worship that we had this morning. The songs that we could sing that we know are true. They're not just some feel-good songs, but they are songs based on the truth and the reality of the cross and empty tomb that is sitting there right now. Father, I pray that as we come to your word this morning, that you would do two things. One, I pray that if there is someone in this room, someone who is joining us online, 
someone who is maybe in the kids' environment, God, that if there is anyone in this building, on this campus right now, that does not know you, they've never called you their Lord or their Savior, that something said, something done would change that today. God, we know that you only need one word to change a heart, one moment to change a life. So I pray if someone needs that new life, if someone needs that to happen, that today would be the day. But too, God, I pray for for the ones that, that maybe, that, that maybe need to run back to the cross. They've been distracted. They've been focused on other things, but they need to take time to, today, this morning, to just recalibrate themselves. God, we know that you are constantly moving, constantly doing incredible things. So we just pray that your spirit would move in this place and that you would speak the word that all of us need to hear, Father. God, we love you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And it is in your powerful name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated this morning. And uh, our, our primary location for this morning's conversation will be, uh, will be Matthew chapter 16. So I want to invite you to start making your way there to Matthew chapter 16. And we're going we're, we're, we're gonna to focus in on verses 24 through 27 in Matthew 16. And this will be our anchor for the conversation. This, this, this will be the place that we come back to again and again. And I want to just take a moment to share the same encouragement that I often do as we begin this portion uh, of our service. Take time during today's conversation to actively engage by taking notes that you can find in a, in, that you can find in a bulletin. The reason that we make those note sheets every single week is because we want you not just to come here Listen to a message, hear some great music, and then leave and, and not be changed. That's not the point of church, okay? That's not the point of the Bible. That's not the point of what Jesus did on the cross for us to come to him and leave the exact same, okay? So we want you to take notes, go back to this throughout your week, okay? Because we believe that God wants to speak to you every single day that ends with a Y, which is every single day of the week, okay? So every single morning, every single evening, engage with God. And also, if you need a Bible, maybe, no, maybe you don't have a Bible, maybe no one's giving you one. If you need one, there are Bibles all throughout the sanctuary, okay? And you have my permission as a student pastor to take one with you, okay? Don't worry, I won't tell anybody, okay? I, I won't, okay? So take it, sneak it out, whatever you got to do, okay? But take a Bible if you don't have one because this is our gift to you this morning. So with that being said, let's begin working through Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27, and seeing what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Number one, the first thing that I want us to consider this morning is this, is that being a follower of Jesus comes with a cost. Being a follower of Jesus comes with a cost. As we begin to unpack this first takeaway, I want to Look at verse 24. So I want to invite you to turn there with me. Mark, or Matthew 16, verse 24. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So before I go any further, let me just give you a, a, a little background into what's going on prior to this moment. Can we believe that every single word from the beginning to the end, it's all connected to one narrative. So it's all connected. So let, let, let me just give you a little update or a little background to what's going on in the beginning part of chapter 16 of Matthew. We see that Peter, one of the 12 men that followed him, he publicly recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. He says that you are the Messiah. But then a few verses later, when Jesus starts to explain his death and resurrection, Peter privately pulls him aside and says, hey, 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 just stop. Just stop, right? Like, just just stop doing that. Don't talk about that. That will never happen to you. And then Jesus rebukes him. Jesus addresses Satan directly because what 
he notices what Jesus recognizes is that Satan is trying to use Peter to stop what had already been declared. You see, there are so many prophecies, so many things said in the Old Testament that spoke about Jesus, okay? So this was not a new thing that people were hearing about. The Old Testament for a long time has been talking about the death and burial of Jesus, okay? And so Jesus recognizes that Satan's trying to use Peter to try and stop what has already been declared. And I believe that something significant arises from this interaction that I I just want to highlight for a moment. Not only does Jesus speak the standard, he lived the standard when it comes to being a Christian, What you probably know is that when someone gives you instruction or when someone tries to help you or tell you how to do certain things, if we know that that person has lived that out, we're going to listen to them, right? Now, if I try to give you some instruction of how to wire a house or build a house, don't listen to me, okay? Never done it. But if you want someone that's done it, Scott Johnson, okay? And you'll listen more to him than me, right? Hopefully. If, if you listen to me, it, it, it ain't going to last long, let me tell you. <laughs> okay? And so naturally, we, we, we listen to people that have experience and what we are hoping to find in Jesus. See, not only does he tell us how to be a good Christian, how to be a, someone that, 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 is, that, that is unswervingly following him, he lived it out, okay? Because Jesus, believe it or not, he knows what it's like to be sad. He knows what it's like to have a lot of emotion and not know what to do with it. You see, Jesus knows what it's like to have The closest friend stabbed him in the back, okay? In fact, the guy that sold him out for money was one of the 12 followers, okay? So Jesus knows what it's like to go. He he knows what it's like to be angry, right? We've all been there, right? He knows what it's like to handle all that. So he not only speaks the standard, he actually lived the standard out. And this is what we're going to see as we work our way through these verses this morning, what I believe we can easily see from verse 24 is that there is a cost that comes with being a follower of Jesus. This cost that we read about is simply put, me and you. And what I mean is that for anyone to be a follower of Jesus, a disciple, a Christian, whatever word you want to use, They have to let go of everything and surrender it all to Jesus. Because you see, you can't embrace a new life while holding on to your old life. It doesn't work like that. So someone who is a follower has to surrender everything to Jesus. They have to let go of their ambitions, their goals, their desires, their plans, and surrender them and give them full control to Jesus. It goes from being all about you to all about Jesus. In short, being a follower of Jesus means that you live a life of surrender to Jesus. And that surrender goes well beyond that first decision. As I was thinking through this um, for the past couple of weeks, uh, I've been going through a uh, study through Hebrews with, 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 with Jake that many of y'all know. And uh, as we've been working through that, it just hits me that, you know, we put a lot of emphasis on surrender in that first moment, right? We put a lot of emphasis on, on surrendering in that moment to saying, to calling him your Lord and Savior. But here's the thing, surrender happens, should happen every single day, well past that first moment. See, even Jesus had to surrender to God at some point. To go to the cross. In fact, uh, I love reading through the garden because what we see is that Jesus, again, Jesus being human, he asked for the cup to pass. He says, God, if at all possible, let this cup pass. I don't want to do it. Don't want to go through it. All right. So, again, he's human. But my favorite part is that after that, in the, in the same breath, he says, but if it's not possible, let your will be done. So even Jesus, the Son of God, surrendered to to God. 
So why shouldn't we? In fact, in, in verse 24, we see that Jesus references a cross. Now, someone who was sentenced to crucifixion was often forced to carry their cross to the site that it was going to happen. And often when they would do this, the government would try to find the busiest part of the day and walk that person, march that person through the most busiest part of the town because they wanted everyone to see that this person is in trouble, according to us. You see, they, 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 they would make the, the person carry the cross in a very, very public way. And what this would communicate was that they were under and submissive to the authority and rule that they had been opposing. Because the cross was a punishment. It was the worst punishment. But the same thing happens in the heart of every person who chooses Jesus. They decide to turn away from a life without Jesus and turn to a life with Jesus. And then later on, a little uh, church history for you here. Later on, they go through baptism, which publicly shows what they privately decided in their heart. That's my topic for another day. This morning, I would ask you to consider, consider this. How, how well... How well are you currently surrendering everything to Jesus? And I'm not talking about just the good moments, because those are easy, right? Those are easy to surrender to Jesus. I'm talking about the moments that you question how you'll make it through. I'm talking about the, the moments that you question, how can I ever survive this? I'm talking about the moments that no one else knows about because you hide it so well. But at night, you can't hide from yourself. How are you surrendering that to Jesus? See, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I believe it's in Romans, and I could be wrong. But the Bible actually calls those who follow Jesus, think about this, he, he calls them more than conquerors. So we're not just conquerors. We are more than conquerors. So what that means is that everything that we go through cannot hold a candle to who Jesus is. No matter what we experience in our emotions or our thoughts or our feelings does not change the fact that God is still present in that. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to have a moment where you surrender for the first time. Because you see, that's why this church is here. It's not to proclaim the name of Aaron Neal, the student pastor, or Kevin Cook, the worship leader, or Tanya Brown, the custodian. It's not even here to proclaim the name of Clay Hurd when he gets here, our, our, our new pastor. This church is here to proclaim the name of Jesus, and that is it. That's why we do this right here. That's why so much time goes into planning these moments because we believe that the only name worth hearing, the only name worth spending time with, the only name that can do anything at once is the name of Jesus. Because again, you cannot beat death. You can prolong it. You can try to improve the quality of life until then. But ultimately, you will stand in front of God one day when you take your final breath here on this planet. As many of you all know, the Dawson family lost their 17-year-old son this past week. 17 years old. And while that is heartbreaking, to hear how the family has kept their eyes on Jesus is an amazing thing. And if I am not mistaken... That when Alan Dotson, the father of the son who lost his son, when he had the opportunity to talk to the team, to the boys, he told them about Jesus. That's what he focused on. See, that's why every Christian is here. That's why every Christian has breath in their lungs to point others to Jesus. 
So maybe you're here and that's what you have to do. You have to surrender for the first time. If I'm being honest, it can be uh, difficult to live a life of surrender. I'm just being upfront and honest with you. It can be difficult. Because so often, different things can cause my heart or my mind to lose focus. So often, I can get distracted in this life. Because you see, it's funny how, whether it be a person or a relationship or a situation, that anything can easily get my mind off of Jesus and onto that. In those moments, I tell myself that it's all about me. Maybe in those moments you tell yourself it's all about you. We get so focused on being right, on justifying ourselves, of saying and making sure the other person knows that they are in the wrong and not us, right? But really in those moments, because we should have a life of surrender to Jesus, really those moments are about Jesus, not you. They're about Jesus and not me. And the really challenging part of that, and again, I'm, I'm just using myself as an example. And, and when I was working this, I, I, I said I, I felt led just to be honest and just to be authentic with you this morning. The hardest part of that is realizing, man, I should really have a conversation with that person and apologize not try to defend myself, not try to make them believe me, but to say, hey, you know what? Last time we talked, I was emotional. I was more focused on me. But really, we should be focused on Jesus. See, living a life of surrender means that everything points to Jesus. Everything. And as Jesus continues to speak to his disciples he leads them to another consideration that we should have when it comes to following Jesus. So number two is this. Number two is that being a follower of Jesus means choosing a side. Being a follower of Jesus means choosing a side. I want to go back to verses 25 and 26 of Matthew 16, our anchor verse for this morning. But verse 25 says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? As I was studying these verses this week, Two things stood out to me that I want to just articulate here in a moment. And, and what scholars believe Jesus was addressing. You see, Jesus was giving his disciples a warning about what the journey would look like if they identified themselves as followers of Jesus. He was saying, hey, guess what? If you choose to follow me, it's not going to be easy. If you choose to follow me, it's not going to be a piece of cake. It's not going to be a smooth ride the entire time. In fact, one of the uh, study commentaries that I used quoted it like this. The path Jesus and his followers would travel would be a road of sorrow and suffering. You see, the disciples then and even us now, they'd have to separate themselves from people, habits, or things that pull them away from Jesus. They would have to pull themselves away, separate themselves, if you will, away from the things and the people that distracted them. And even more of an extreme, the 12 men that we read about this morning, the 12 men that we hear about, uh, those 12 men, for at least three years, they left their family. They left their friends, their jobs, everything known. They left all that for three words that a stranger on a seashore said, come follow me. And those three words caused them to literally drop everything and follow him for three years. Again, he was telling them in advance, hey, listen, this is not going to be easy. However, I don't want us to miss 
what he says also in addition to that. You see, Jesus says that whoever loses their life for me will find it. In other words, and I love this part, in other words, Jesus says that what we lose for him, we will find in him. What we lose for him, we will find in him. So let me me just give you some examples to, to prove my point here, if you will. If you lose comfort for Jesus, you will find comfort in Jesus. In Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, For even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. If you lose rest because of the tough life situations or because you try to be involved in so many things at one time, you will find rest in Jesus. In Matthew eleven twenty eight. It says that come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And guess what? I will give you rest, okay? If you've expressed trust that God is in control despite what you see or feel or hear, you've experienced a fuller life than you can imagine. John 10, 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life, catch it, and have it to the full. Listen, if you lose your life for Jesus, you gain it in Jesus. That's why those who have a relationship with Jesus, that's why we will will have one death, but two births, right? We will be born on this earth, die on this earth, but then live again in heaven in paradise with God, okay? So what we lose for God, he gives it right back to us. There's something else that Jesus is communicating in these verses that I want us to recognize. In verse 26, Jesus is inviting us to consider what we focus on as we go through this life. Two phrases that we see in verse 26 is to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul. Here's what you should know about the world. It has an expiration date. There's going to be a time where the world will come to an end. That's not me speaking doomsday. That's just me speaking the truth. That in fact, in Revelation 21:1, it talks about the old earth and the new earth. So there's going to be a time where this earth ends, but here's the thing, your soul will go beyond this earth. And your soul will spend eternity in one of two places. There's only two options you got. Your soul will either spend eternity in paradise with God, which is the best option, just, just so you know. Or your soul will spend eternity in a fiery lake away from God. Worst option, just saying. And the only thing that can guarantee your place in paradise with God is whether or not you have a genuine relationship with Jesus. It's not your church attendance. It's not your Bible studies or the amount of times you read through the Bible left to right. It's not about your, 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 your service in the church. It's not about how many times you pray before a meal or before bed. It's not about doing enough, being enough. While those things are good, those things aren't how you get to paradise with God. How you get there is whether or not you have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, in John 14, 6, we see that it tells us that Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. So the only way to God is through Jesus. It's the only way. And to sum all of that up, I want to quote one more time from the study commentary that I primarily use. It says, if a disciple spent all his energy focusing on this life, here and now he would lose the entire point of this life, which is investing in the life to come. If a person does not accept the challenge of true discipleship, he will forfeit both true and quality of life now and full reward in eternity. This morning I want to offer something else for you to consider. Have you chosen a side? Because believe it or not, and, and despite what we are told, it's not okay to play in both camps. It's not okay to sit on the fence and lean this way one day and lean the other way the other day when you feel like it. 
culture will say that you should love everybody no matter what. That's a lie. Because part of loving someone is telling them the truth. Part of loving someone is telling them the truth even though it may hurt sometimes. So whether we're aware of it or not, we choose a side every single day. Your decisions that you make are influenced by your side that you choose. And we believe that the side you can choose as a church comes down to two options. Option one, Jesus. Option two, everything else. Either Jesus and everything else. In, in, in the spirit of being upfront and honest, let me just share a very simple way to know what side you are choosing. If every decision you make comes from a place of looking out for yourself and only yourself, you're more than likely choosing everything else. If every decision you make comes from a place as much as you can of looking out for others more than yourself and doing everything you can to get them to the person who changed the cross and took the power from the grave, you are more than likely choosing Jesus. And in case you're wondering, well, how can I know or how, how can I choose Jesus in my decisions? Let me just answer that question with two simple words. God's word. The Bible. God's holy word. Whatever you want to use, phrase you want to use. You see, despite what people may think, the Bible is not a book of suggestions for good living. But it's a book of expectations for those that decide to choose Jesus. It's not just a book to sit on a shelf and collect dust and pull out when everyone comes over and make them think they are always about the Bible. No, it is more than a dust collector, okay? It is more than a spot on a shelf. God's word should be planted in your heart. That even if there are no more Bibles, you should know it by heart. Okay, and listen, I, I, I am the worst at memorizing I was terrible as a kid, and I'm terrible now. Okay, that's why I stink at names. Because I, I, I just can't. So I'm not saying that you should right now quote every single verse of the Bible. It, it's, it's, it's a really tall order. But what I'm saying is that if you are confident in what the Word of God says, you should have a few places that your heart goes to immediately. That if you believe that God is, is in control of everything, then tell me a scripture that proves that. If you believe that God can do incredibly more than you can imagine, tell me where it's at. You see, God doesn't want you to memorize the entire Bible. He wants you to memorize a portion of the Bible. How many times do we make it more complicated than it has to be? I said this before. If you can only get one verse in, that's okay. Okay, that, that's, a, that, that's fine. If you can get a whole chapter in, great. Two chapters, hallelujah. But I get it. Kids pulling at your leg, right? The dryer breaks. The, the, the faucet leaks. Then your job, right? So I get it. But God is not looking for someone perfect. Because he will never call someone perfect. But he wants someone who is actively trying to be a little better than the day before. Because you'll get it wrong sometimes. But the cross is for anyone. In verse 24, he said, anyone that wants to be myself, anyone doesn't matter what your story has been, will be anyone who wants to be my disciple must do these things. That's why it's so important that you spend time in God's word daily and not just when someone is reading it to you during an organized worship experience. A follower of Jesus is someone that not only chooses Jesus, but they choose to spend time with their heavenly father through his word. So a follower of Jesus means that we choose a side. And as we begin to move towards the conclusion of this conversation, I want to look at this third and final takeaway for a few moments. Number three is this, is that being a follower of Jesus leads to a reward. Being a follower of Jesus leads to a reward. 
For one, for one last time, going back to our anchor verses this morning. Go back with me to Mark or to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 27. It says, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward every person according to what they have done. In this closing verse of Matthew 16, Jesus addresses the reality that those who faithfully follow him, they'll be rewarded when they stand in front of God. You see, another thing that we believe here at Eubank Baptist Church is that every single person, when they take their final breath here on earth, they will stand in front of God. They'll have that moment with God, that moment where he will either say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or he'll say, Depart from me, I never knew you. So we believe that will happen for every single person. And in today's culture, you know, we're, we are conditioned to desire and pursue rewards. As a culture, we are conditioned to desire and pursue awards. I'm pretty sure that's why we have the participation award, right? In my opinion, the dumbest award ever, Right? Like, you showed up today. Here's a word for you. Right? If I offended you about, about that, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. But anyway, every reward that is offered or given here on earth has a shelf life. At some point, that award, that reward or whatever will no longer have as much importance or significance as it did from the first time getting it. Let me just give you a few examples to prove my point. Um, in, in high school, I was not very athletic. Still am not. Um, in high school, I was, I, I was part of the track team. Now I say part of, not involved with, because I was terrible. Okay. Like, my coach knew I was terrible, too. And he was okay with it. Like, he knew that if I started walking, he wasn't surprised by that. And in fact, he was like, oh, is that Aaron? Okay, yeah, he's good, right? And so I was on, I was on the track team. And uh, every year in, in Ohio, that's where I'm from, uh, in, in, in certain races, they have this one race that no one wants to do because you look goofy doing it. And it's called the race walk. And essentially, it's exactly what it sounds like. You race while walking. Sounds easy, right? Let me tell you, it's not easy, okay? Because every year, they ask for volunteers, because no one wants to do this. Like, they ask for volunteers, right? And every year, I said to myself, man, whoever raises their hand, they are lame. Because <laughs> really, it was kind of goofy to watch. <laughs> and uh, one year, I think it was my senior year, I think. And one year that the time came, all right, guys, who wants to do race walk? And for whatever reason, I still don't know why, my hand shot up. <laughs> and I was like, huh? <laughs> and there wasn't people fighting for that position. Let's let me tell you that, okay? So I just, I, 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 I walked it. Now, because I love you all so much, I'm going to show you how to flawlessly race walk, okay? Now, just so you know, I don't do this very often because I look weird doing it. In fact, I would be that kid in the stands saying, you better hurry, they're right behind you. And then, a year later, I'm down there. <clears throat> but with a race walk, it's not just simply walking like you're casually walking. You have to have a form. And again, this, this, now this is... All right, here, I'm going to take this off right now, all right? Just so you all can see the alignment of my hips, okay? Because that's where it all comes from. It's the alignment of your hips, okay? They have to be straight, okay? <laughs> Y'all ready? Okay. That's right. I'm out of breath. <laughs> now, if you noticed, the legs were straight. 
Now, when I did that, I had a reward. I had a high school record, okay? <laughs> you got me now. <laughs> but here's the thing. Someone at this point has probably beaten that record from 13 years ago. That if I went into my high school and bragged about race walking, no one would care. Because it was 13 years ago. Let me, let me give you another, another example. Scholarships that we so desperately want and need, they lose their purpose once high school or college is done. And what you're left with is a bunch of debt. Championships that we celebrate in numerous ways, the team loses the hype once a new person is crowned the winner. You see, with the bracket challenge, we've, we've had two other winners prior to today. But today we focused on the current winner, right? So even championships lose their hype once someone else is crowned. The, the backpack came, came unbuttoned. <laughs> I'm still like, what about inhaler at? Goodness gracious. Being the most prepared in the room, because we encourage our students to be prepared for everything, right? Even being the most prepared becomes useless when life turns out differently than you've expected. That moment, just to share a little bit about Beck and I, we had planned for kids before Emberlyn, and we were pregnant, and we were planning and expecting, and then when we lost that first baby, we weren't ready for that. So all of our plans were useless when life didn't play out like we were hoping it would. Being the funniest person in the room or the most recognized or the most seen becomes useless when someone else does you one better. But here is what makes the rewards in verse 27 very different. Every reward that is offered and given by God doesn't have a shelf life. In case you didn't know, eternity is forever. So when someone is given the reward of eternity in paradise with God, that lasts forever. There's no ending to that. To bring back what I said a moment ago, the here and now has a direct impact on the life to come. That what your life will look like to come depends on what your life looks like in the here and now. Here in a few moments, our worship team is going to come back and they're going to sing one more song. And as they lead us, it's going to be our opportunity, our moment to respond to the cross and empty tomb. And during that song, I want to offer two things for you to consider this morning. Two things that I want us to consider as we worship together here in a few moments. The first one is this. How is your here and now directly impacting your life to come? How is your here and now directing your life to come? Like it was said before, our souls will end up in one of two places when we take our final breath here on earth. We'll either spend eternity in paradise with God or spend eternity in a lake of fire without God. And I know that's not very Easter-like or very uh, warm and fuzzy feeling to hear, but listen, that is the truth of the gospel, okay? And like I said, I'm not holding anything back this morning. If you wanted a feel-good message, you shouldn't have come here. I'm just saying. The only thing that determines where that place is where your soul will be is if you know Jesus or not. See, it's your relationship with Jesus that gets you into paradise and nothing else. So how is your here and now directly impacting your life to come? And the second thing that I want you to consider is this. How do you need to respond to the cross and empty tomb? Again, I believe that whether you are not a Christian yet, or you have been for five minutes or five years or longer, that all of us needs to respond to the cross in some way. Because again, even the nation knows it's Easter. Unfortunately, they, they got it wrong with the whole focus of it. And maybe... Maybe if you were being honest, you've been a little distracted. 
You see, the reason this needs to be considered is because this is the place that people begin a relationship with Jesus. You see, a person must experience an internal belief and articulate that belief. And that belief is that every single person on this planet, good, bad, or indifferent, is a sinner who continues to separate themselves from God because of their mistakes and their failures. However, they believe that God, who is the creator of the universe, sent his only son Jesus to pay the price of sin by dying on the cross. Then three days later, that same Jesus got up and walked out, leaving an empty tomb. Once someone surrenders everything to Jesus and articulates a belief in the name of Jesus, they will experience salvation and new life. And that is for anyone and everyone. I don't know why God brought you here on this Easter. I don't know. I don't know. But I've got to believe that he, he did it so for a reason. As they sing, this altar is going to be open. And I don't want you to miss this. There is nothing special about this altar. It's wood and nails and screws and other things. There's nothing special about it. But what makes it special, what makes that moment special is who you are coming to surrender to. Maybe for you, maybe for you, it's time you stop playing games and get real with Jesus. Maybe it's time that you stop playing games and trying to look like church, sound like church, dress like church, and actually be the church. Maybe for you, you've done that, and there's something in your life, something that you're holding on to that you need to let go. You know, I, I, I didn't do this in the first service, but this just, this, this just hit me. I'm going to trust it, trust it for a reason. When someone surrenders, something happens. They stop, right? And often in the surrender, we relate it to someone getting on their knees. And what's significant about this is that right now, I'm going nowhere. Right now, I'm stopping. So maybe today, before you leave, before everything else happens, you need to hit your knees at the foot of the cross. Maybe, maybe you need to stop before anything else happens, before lunch or dinner or egg hunts, and just stop and hit your knees and say, God, I'm surrendered to anything that you want from me. No matter what, I'm here, I'm surrendered, and I am yours. I believe that every time we come to God's word, we are not meant to come and leave the same way. We're meant to come and be radically changed by Jesus. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today. And God, I'm so grateful that that the significance, the power, the work of the cross an empty tomb, God. It, it is not just a one day, once a year, when Easter rolls around, God. No, it is an everyday thing that we should be fully aware of. God, I have done my best to communicate your word as well as I could. And now it's our turn to respond. I want to pray again for two things. One, I want to pray for the one who is sitting in this room, who's joining us online, and they have never called you. They've never physically called you their Savior or their Lord. They've been to church, they've helped, they served, but they have never made that full-on commitment. I want to pray that whatever has been stopping them, that you would tear away that you would tear down the walls and help them realize that they are nothing without you, God. We are are nothing without you. If it wasn't for the cross, we would have nothing. So I wanna pray that for someone who may need that, that today would be the day of salvation, that they would find someone they trust. They would bring them to the altar with them if they're here and just walk through that process with them. 
But Father, I also want to pray for the other people in this room who have made that commitment. They've been a follower for years, but they've been a little distracted. Their heart's been a little heavy. They've been worn down, beaten by, by this life. And they're maybe questioning how they even got here today. Father, I pray for them that you would just remind them that there is hope, there is freedom, there is joy at the foot of the cross. We don't have to go searching for it. God, you're here right now. We don't have to go find something new about us, but find you. So I pray that whatever the need is, God, whatever they are holding on to, an emotion or a thought or a relationship or a person or whatever, that they would let it go. God, we can't be more than conquerors while still holding on to the past. And I believe someone needs to hear this morning that they are a conqueror through you, Jesus. But they have to believe it first. Father, I pray that as we sing, that we would just be open to your spirit, God. And that we would give you the space to speak and move. Father, we love you. We thank you, and it is in your powerful name that we pray.